What's up, Greenwood students? We are so excited that you're joining us for another episode of the Greenwood Student Ministries podcast. Our hope for this podcast is that you would be reminded of truth, equipped by God's word, and challenged to grow. So sit back and enjoy today's message. Hey, if you have a Bible, normally what we would do is we would turn to uh, like one passage and we would break that down and we would talk about it together. Tonight we're going to do something a little bit different because what we're talking about kind of skips around a bunch of different scriptures. Um, So what I'm going to do is I just want you to have your Bibles ready to go. We will turn to those uh, places here in a minute. I do not have exact page numbers for all of them. Um, but we will talk about them in just a second. So grab your Bibles if you don't have one. Um, it's not okay. So raise your hand and someone can give you a paper one. Um, we're gonna, I want you guys to hold the Word of God in your hands and read it for yourself. Don't just take it from me with these Photoshop documents that I made here up on the screen that that's actually what God said. Okay. So I want you to have your own Bible. If you do not own a Bible, guess what? If you just got one because you don't have one today because you don't own one, congratulations, that Bible is yours now. You can take it home, okay? If you already have a Bible, bring it next time, okay? We don't want anybody to not have the Word of God accessible to them when it's so easy to get right now in our country. So, I want you to have one with you. We will get there in a second. If you don't have one yet, that's okay. We'll get you one in just a second. But before we do, I want to pray and then we'll roll into tonight's message, okay? Let's pray. Father, um... Man, we are excited to look at your word tonight and to just break it down and to see what you have to say about our hearts. Um, I pray that you would give us open ears to listen, open hearts to receive what you have, um, and minds that are focused and ready to pay attention um, to what you have for us tonight in your word. Guys, if you would yourselves, just for a second, take a second and pray for yourself and ask God that he would speak to you tonight and he would teach you something. If you would, please pray for me as well, that the Lord would use me and I'd be helpful to you. Because the Lord knows I need it sometimes. All right, Jesus, we love you so much and we are excited, like I said earlier, so let's get after it. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, anybody else need a Bible? All right, while they're getting those to you, let me tell you a story. Y'all like stories? I like stories. Some of y'all know this about me a little bit. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I don't actually have the page number, but in a minute we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. So just right down the middle of the Bible, and then maybe to the right just a little bit. Okay, Psalms, Proverbs chapter 4. We'll be there in a minute. But before we get there, 23. I will tell you when we get there. Okay? 351 is the... Okay, so let me tell you this story while we're getting there. We'll let you know where you need to be, when you need to be there. Right now we're just going to tell the story. So some of you guys know about this in my life because you've been around in my life for longer than when I was at Greenwood. Not a ton of you, but some of you know. Um, others of you have heard it since I got here, but here's the basic gist of it. Tomorrow, tomorrow, March the 5th, marks four years since I fell off a 50-foot cliff and broke my foot and my elbow and had to have 30 stitches in my head. You fell off a cliff? It's a true story. I will show you pictures later if you want. I didn't have time to get them on the slides, but it's real. I have a scar on my elbow right here from where they had to do surgery. There's one on my foot, and in fact, you can kind of look and see the way that my, my converse are tied. One of them is a little bit more open than the other because my foot is actually bigger from the scar tissue, okay? It's a real thing. But when that happened, my foot was all kinds of messed up. The doctor even said that it looked like someone took a sledgehammer and just went boom on the top of my foot. That's how bad it broke, 
Because when I well, because I was just too close to the edge. That's why I fell. So if you learn anything from this, it's pay attention to the trail signs. When you are hiking, 50 feet, about five stories. I shouldn't be alive, but Jesus said, "Psych," and here I am. So. What I want you guys to know is that we're going to break down that story and how it happened, especially what happened after I got out of the hospital, or in the hospital and after. We're going to talk about those parts more than anything. But what I want you to know is that last week we started a series called Psych, right? What did we talk about last week if you were here? What was the main thing we talked about? It's a part of your life, your body, technically. It's in your head, your brain, or your head, right? Your mind. What we focus on, our thoughts. Tonight, we're talking about our heart. Next week, we will talk about our hands and our everyday actions, living out what we believe. But we're doing it in this order because we have this phrase that we're using throughout the entire series. Does anybody remember what it is? Yeah, Aiden. What you care about is, no, what you think about is what you care about. What you care about is what you'll chase. Exactly. What you think about is what you will care about. And what you care about, you will chase. And you already know this is true because you've lived it, but you may not be able to like express that in ways yet. We're going to talk about that this weekend. Or not this weekend. It's Wednesday. What is wrong with me? Um, anyway, we're going to talk about that tonight. But first, we're going to talk about our hearts. So last week we talked about our minds, right? What we think about is what we start to care about. It's really important that we don't just let our minds go wherever they want, but that we take the time to inform them and to instruct them and to train them. We talked about there were two things that we do in order to train our minds um, to be like God, to renew our minds, like it says in Romans 12. Too. If you were here on Sunday morning, we talked about those. Was anybody here on Sunday morning that remembers what those two things were? We take our thoughts captive, and we fill our minds with the things of Christ. You guys remember? Okay, so once we know what we're thinking about, and we've got some plans for steps to take to practically live out relationships in our lives with our thoughts, then we can start talking about what we care about because that's going to inform the things that we care about. The more time you spend with something, the more resources you spend on something, a.k.a. the more thoughts you think about something, the more you will care about it. So I want to talk about the heart. But there's three things we need to do before we can actually have an accurate conversation about it. Or, well, there's three things that we need to do in order for us to have an accurate conversation about it. We need to identify, first of all, what our heart is and, and know what that means. And then we need to diagnose what's wrong with it because there's something wrong with it. And you all know it's true. You just don't know how to communicate it. And then once we know what our heart is and how it's been diagnosed, then we can know what we need to do to rehab it and to work back to what we were meant to be in our hearts. So let's start off with defining what the heart is. Let's identify it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Okay? Proverbs 4. 23. I don't know about you, but I love the book of Proverbs because it was written by the wisest guy who ever lived, and it's literally a book of just a bunch of things that says things that say, in these situations in life, decide this, and most of the time, it's going to look like that, and it's going to be good for you, or bad for you if you choose the other decision. That's kind of how Proverbs works. And I'm a very straightforward guy. I don't like people to beat around the bush. I just like them to tell me clearly what needs to happen and where we need to go, and Proverbs does that beautifully. Okay, Chapter 4, Solomon writes this in verse 23. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. I think we know what a source is, right? It's like the, the root of something, the foundation of something. I think we know what life is. It's that you are alive. It's the experience that you have living every day. But I don't know if we really fully know what he means by guard and heart. So let's start with heart and then work our way backwards. The heart is this. 
Okay? The, the heart is not a source of authority. Paul, or not Paul. Solomon is not saying that your heart is the thing that you listen to that tells you everything you need to do. How many of you guys have ever heard this phrase before? Just follow your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a lie from the devil. And you'll see why in a minute. You'll see why in a minute. It sounds really great on the surface. It sounds really insightful. It sounds really deep. A lot of us in this room have probably told somebody else to follow their heart at some point. At some point. But here's, here's what it's not. It's not a source of authority. It is also not the source of the good things in your life. Did you know that? The good things that you experience in your life, the things that make you feel best, do not come from your heart. Your heart doesn't work like that. It was never made to work like that. We like to treat our heart as something that gives and takes from us. That it tells us where to go, tells us what to do, or it gives us what we need. A.K.A. it tells us who we are. That is not what your heart does. The Bible has very different things to say about it. The Bible says... In this verse, we need to guard our hearts because it is the source of life. It gives you a definition right there in the verse. What is your heart? It's the source of life within you. It's literally lining out this, I don't have it up here, but this phrase that we've had all series long. What you think about is what you care about. What you care about is what you chase. And what Solomon is saying here is the things that you care about, that's what you're going to act on. That's what you're going to move on. That's what you're going to do things in life through. So whatever you care about, that's telling you which direction you want to go the most. So here's what I, I think the best way to define what a heart really is, is that it, is, it, it tells us what we care about the most, and it tells us what we're feeling. Cares, right? C-A-R-E, care. It tells us what we care about and what we're feeling. And here's the thing. When, you're, when your heart is wrong, when your heart is caring about and, and focused on the wrong things, Everything else is off in life. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever like been really into something and really cared a lot about it and it just didn't turn out because you thought the thing you were chasing was going to be one way, but then you got there and it was totally different and everything fell apart? You spent all that time, you, you maybe even spent money um, or just emotions trying to make something happen and then you got there and it didn't work. We'll get some, into some practical examples in, in a minute. But the honest, the honest truth is it's really just the center of our desires and our emotions. It tells you what you want, and it tells you what you feel. Notice I did not say it tells you what you should want or what you should feel. Do you get the difference? It just tells you what you already do want and what you're already feeling. That's what the heart is. It is the source. It is the root. It is where all these things are coming from. It's showing us where these things are coming from. So, it tells us that our heart is the center of our desires and our emotions, but it also tells us to guard something, to guard our hearts, doesn't it? Yes. When he's saying guard here, here's what he means. The word is keep. That's why some translations, you may not have the Holman Christian Standard Bible in your hands or on your phone right now. It might have said keep your heart above all else, or preserve, or protect. Anybody have a different word than guard in that verse when they read it? What would you have, Carter? Keep. keep? Okay. Here's, I'm glad that it said keep because this is what the original word in Hebrew means. It literally means keep. Has anybody watched a movie or maybe even like you had some friends over and you want to do something you knew you totally shouldn't have done, you know, like sneak out or something like that. And uh, you, you, uh, you, you and your friends are like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We've got to take care of this thing, but somebody needs to keep watch, right? Or stand watch. 
You guys know how that works? Or in the movie, there's like danger all around these people because they're in the wilderness and they're exploring, or maybe they're like in the Wild West and it's a Western, and like they all go to sleep, but one person has to stand up and keep watch. That's what it means. Keep means like that. It doesn't mean like hold on to and never let go, although that's a really good strategy for this part. It means keep like, have you guys ever heard somebody say, hey, did the milk, it has, is the milk, did it keep in the fridge? Or did that, does that food keep or it won't keep if you leave it out there? It's the same idea. It's saying preserve, protect. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to keep watch, let's say you're a parent. Okay? Actually, I'm, who, let, let's see. I'm going to pick somebody here. So, well, no. None of you middle schoolers are going to count. So, Shannon, when there is potential danger for your children, what happens with the way that you interact with them? What, does anything change? Oh, yeah, I get loud. Okay, you get loud. Uh, is, is it more likely that you will pay close attention to that person in that moment? Okay, Jewel and Sadie probably understand, right? If there's danger around you, your mom's going to be like, I'm watching everything, right? Because I don't want you to get hurt. And in that moment, Shannon is keeping her children. Do you see how that works? She's protecting them because there's danger around everywhere. And that's what Solomon is saying. He is saying you have to guard your heart because there is a lot of stuff going on around it that's not okay. It's kind of like this. When I worked, at, I worked at a summer camp for three years, and it was a blast. It was actually at summer camp where I realized that I like to work with middle schoolers. And there was this thing we had where when we'd use radios, we had like these codes that we could send through the radio so that all the counselors and staff knew what was going on without freaking out the kids. Kind of like this. If somebody saw a snake on camp anywhere, they would get on the radio and they'd be like, we have a broken strap at cabin 21. Which means there's a snake at cabin 21. Because think about this. If you're in first grade and you're just walking through the woods in East Texas and you hear somebody on the radio go, there's a snake at cabin 21. Do you know where cabin 21 is? It might as well be right around the corner for all you know. right? So they're going to freak out and scream. So that's why we had the code. And one of the things we had in the code was called a code R. And code R stood for, well, we had a couple other codes as well. Code brown was if someone pooped in the pool. There was code EMS, which means somebody's hurt bad enough, you need to call the ambulance. Code med is somebody's hurt, but don't call the ambulance yet. Then there was code R, which stood for code runaway. And code R worked for kids who were both missing and who straight up ran away, and we locked it. I had a kid. He was from Alito, actually. And I watched him. I watched him. He's not even in middle school at this point, so y'all just don't worry about it. Um, but he was younger, and he, he, was, he was a very different person at that time, and he was scared. He was terrified. And one night, we watched this kid look at us, and then look at the cabin, and then look back at us and go, Phew! and he just bolted down the road out of nowhere. And here's the thing. Do you know how many people turned their attention to that kid? So many, because there are roots all over the camp that he can trip over. There are snakes. There are animals that could come after him. There are people outside the fences of the, of the camp that we don't know about because we can't control what happens outside the camp, right? And if he gets out there, we don't know what's going to happen. So everybody focuses their attention on this kid because he doesn't realize that there's danger all around him. And he just thinks he can run and do whatever he wants. And your heart does the exact same thing. It goes wherever it wants. It tries to chase whatever it wants. And it tells you, oh, you should like this, or you should like that, or you should like this. But it's really bad at it. It's really bad at it. It would be like you guys walking into the New York Stock Exchange right now and trying to tell everybody there what to do. 
Does anybody know how to trade stocks and tell the stockbrokers who work there for a living what to do? No, but that's what your heart tries to do. It says, okay, I've done this before. I've had a girlfriend before one time, so I'm going to tell this person who I want to be my girlfriend these things because that'll work. And then it backfires. You're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm hurt like this. But then we do the same thing over and over, just like the kid that ran away. So your heart, it's valuable, right? If your heart is telling you where you're going to go and it's telling you what you want to do, it's a pretty valuable thing. So we need to guard it because there's danger around us everywhere. Things that are going to hurt us, things that are going to tell us, things that aren't actually true. And we're going to want to listen to them. But we need to guard it and we need to protect it. And that's what we are identifying right here. The heart is the center of your desires and your emotions. And you need to guard it. You need to keep it safe. You need to watch it closely. Pay very close attention to what goes in and what comes out. Because it will change the way that your life goes. So now that we know what our heart is and what guarding it means, let's diagnose what's wrong with it because clearly something's wrong with it. We don't know what we're doing. And if you don't agree, I'll give you some examples here in a second. Now we're going to turn to Jeremiah 17.9. So if you're in Proverbs, just keep turning right just a little bit. Your Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, then Isaiah, and then Jeremiah. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 17. And we're just going to read verse 9. Okay, so you were in Proverbs, then you got Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Page what? Page 426, Sadie Carroll says. We're going to read verse 9. Okay, here we go. If you're not there yet, that's okay. Just stop for a second and we'll read it. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Guys, here's our major problem. Here is our, our diagnosis. You want me to tell you what's wrong with your heart? Here's what's wrong with your heart. Our heart tells us what we want, but it lies to us about what we should want. And it's not always because our heart intentionally lies to us and tries to go after us. It's probably just because it doesn't really know what's good and what's not. But it's still not telling the truth. It says you should want these things, but they don't work. Let me ask you this. How do you feel when someone is supposed to be a close friend to you, but they sabotage you all the time behind your back and tell you lies every day? How does that feel? It feels really bad, doesn't it? Guess what? Your heart does that to your soul every day. It is really bad at being a good friend to you. When we say follow your heart to someone or when we try to believe follow your heart for ourselves, it hurts us. It leads us to big life-changing things. So we got to understand that if we're going to tell ourselves follow your heart, what we're telling ourselves and what we're telling people is you need to go follow this person who hates you and lies to you all the time. That's stupid. I'm, I mean, like, I'm not, not going to, I told you earlier, I'm an upfront person. That is not normal. That's not okay. Do you normally every day just willingly tell your friends that they need to be friends with someone who's going to destroy their, self, their self-esteem and make them feel like crap all day? No. No. So when we tell people, follow your heart, when we believe I'm going to follow my heart, what we're saying is I'm going to give my life. I'm going to make big, major life decisions based on the advice of something that tells me lies all day long. We should not follow our hearts. It's going to hurt every time. But we do this anyway, right? Maybe, maybe you've thought something like this. Oh, he seems like a nice guy. He'd never hurt me. Or... or uh, but there's nothing wrong with talking about her like that behind her back. She'll never find out. And then she finds out. How about this one? How about this one? I just spent all day long talking to 10th, 11th, 12th graders about this one. I'm not going to hurt anybody by watching porn. It's just me and my phone just for a few minutes. It's harmless. 
It's okay. It's not a big deal. It affects way more people than you think. Wait, what did you say? I said, I'm not hurting anybody by watching porn. It's just me and my phone. It's harmless. What? Someone's already died because... People think that. How about this? How about this? I know Miss Harper's probably experienced something like this. I can lie to, I can lie to the teacher about the homework. Because, like, yeah, I cheated on it, but I have Google at home, so it's easy. It's fine. I won't need to do it like the teacher said when I get to adulthood anyway. Your heart tells you things like that. Or how about this one? I feel like this one's going to hit a little closer to home than you guys expect. Maybe you thought something like this. My parents don't deserve my respect. They're idiots. And maybe you would never come out and say that to your parents, but you think that sometimes. Maybe your heart tells you sometimes that you shouldn't respect your parents because they're just being dumb and they don't understand. Let me ask you something. Have we ever done those things and actually carried them out to their conclusion and actually got all the way through the process and then looked back at it and said, yep, I'm glad I did it that way? No. No. It hurts. It doesn't work. And the Bible never tells us to follow our hearts because it knows our hearts are broken and it knows that's what's going to happen if we follow them. So it just doesn't even tell us, follow your hearts ever. Because God knows that's what's wrong with our heart. When my foot was broken, I couldn't fix it until I knew exactly what was wrong with it. Right? If I walked into the doctor and they say, hmm, your right foot looks severely broken and all kinds of messed up, I would have been like, you're an idiot. It's my left foot that's broken. <coughs> Fix it. <laughs> and if you don't know what's exactly wrong with your heart, you will never be able to know what steps need to happen to find healing. Here's what's wrong with your heart. It lies to you, and it is only ever wanting to hurt you. Jesus came to fix that problem. Here's what's really cool. Ezekiel 36, 26. You don't have to turn there because this is going to go fast. Jesus said, not Jesus. God said to Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Here's what's wrong with your heart. It's dead. The Bible calls our hearts before Jesus like a stone. And when Jesus came and he died and rose again, he gave us the freedom to experience life with a heart that's actually what it's supposed to be. A heart of life. Not a heart of stone, but until we know him, it's basically like we're dead. And then Hebrews 10.22, that's at the end of the New Testament. This is after Jesus has died and come back, to get, come back from the dead. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Your heart is powerful. But because it's terrible at its job, we must protect it. We must understand. We have to understand that we can't let our hearts tell us what decisions to make in life because it will hurt us every time and others. But there is one who gave us an answer, who gave us a solution to the problem, and his name is Jesus. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later, and he is right now in 2020 on March 4th at 7.46 p.m. He is alive. And he says, your heart does not have to lead you into all that pain and all that misery anymore. The things that you care about and the things that you feel don't have to be things that ruin your life and sometimes lead you to end it. Because sometimes our hearts tell us, I'm not worth it anymore. Maybe everything would be better if I just disappeared. Here's, here's my theory, okay? Here's my theory. A lot of people ask the question, why, why, like, what does the Bible have to say about suicide? A lot of Christians believe that people who commit suicide are going to hell. The Bible never says that, first of all. Second, here's what I believe. This is my theory. 
I think our hearts are so broken and so messed up and they're so bad at telling us what to do that very often they may tell us to literally kill ourselves. And you probably know somebody who listened to it or know of somebody who listened to it and they are not here anymore. So you think your heart is just leading you to disrespect your parents and that's bad? It could lead you at some point to try and kill yourself. Because it's that messed up and it's that broken. So here's what I want us to understand. We have to treat it seriously. And here's the answer. Here's the rehab. Psalm 142, turn there. One book right before Proverbs. So go back to Proverbs and go to Psalms chapter 142. And this is where we're going to end. 142. Psalms chapter 142. Psalm 142 has seven verses. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to look at verse 7. We do not have to follow our heart. We need to tell our heart what to follow. In fact, most of us don't actually follow our hearts anyway because our hearts weren't made to do that. They were made to just tell us what we want to follow. So when we say follow your heart, what we're really saying is follow the thing that tells you what you should follow. Or tell you what you are following. It just doesn't make sense. It's like zero divided by zero. It doesn't work. We do not follow our heart. We tell our heart what to follow. Let me show you a really, really great example in Psalm 142. David is in a cave. At this point in his life, the king who is king at the time, his name was Saul, hated David like crazy. Everything Saul ever said about David was good until some point he changed his mind and got really upset because he found out David was going to be the next king and Saul didn't want to give up the throne. And so he tried to kill David every time he saw him. And literally threw a spear at him in the courtroom one time, even though Saul had called him in there to play music for him and to make him feel better. Because he, he was that, um, anxious he and depressed. Yeah, and when he got to this cave, he was running from Saul. And when he got there, he had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't do it. He just cut off a little piece of his robe to show him that he got close enough that he could do it and then didn't actually do it. And then he wrote this psalm in that cave after that happened. Here's what he said. Verses 1 and 2, I cry aloud to the Lord, I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy, I pour out my complaint before him, I reveal my trouble to him. And then verse 3, you don't have up there, but it says, although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Here's what David is doing. He's saying, I'm pouring out my complaint. God, this stinks. I hate this. This is miserable. I don't like what's going on. I feel terrible. My heart is broken. Everybody's after me. And I don't like it. So I'm going to give it all to you. I'm just going to sit here and complain about everything. To God. That's what he's doing. But a lot of us don't like to do that because we know people who all they ever do is talk about what, they, what they're complaining about, right? And they just complain and complain and complain and they don't ever do anything about it. And we don't like to be around those people. And so we think God doesn't like to be around those people. But God's patience never runs out. It has no ends. So he can literally listen to you complain about trash for three hours and still have infinite patience to give you after that. And love. He never runs out. So he doesn't have to ask himself, is it worth it to me to give my patience and my love to this person? Because I might have to give it to somebody else. He doesn't have to even ask that question because he never runs out. So he just gives it to you. And that's what David's doing. His heart is in a really broken place. He wants safety. He wants peace. He even wants friends, but he doesn't have it because he's hiding in a cave while everybody's trying to kill him. And then look how he ends. Look how he ends Psalm 142. He doesn't ignore his feelings. He lets God see them. We talked about that in our In My Feelings series, didn't we? We allow our feelings to rise to God to the surface. We don't push them down. We let him hear them. But then he starts to speak truth to his heart once he knows what's wrong. And look what he says in verse 7. And the way that he says it, it's so cool. He says, free me from prison so that I can praise your name. Then the righteous 
will gather around me because you deal, you do, you deal generously with me. He is speaking truth. He's saying, hey, the sky is blue. It's raining outside. It's really hot in here. God, you will deal bountifully with me. You will give me more than I need. You will surround me with good and righteous people. You will do it. He's teaching his heart the truth of God. And here's how that works. David could have sat in that cave and just complained and let his feelings drive him to kill Saul. Do you notice that? He could have let his heart drive him to end another person's life or even his own to escape his problems. But he didn't do it. He rehabbed his heart instead. God's heart is the perfect heart. And he sent Jesus because of what his own heart wants. God's heart wants you. So he sent Jesus for that, to bring you back to him. So you want to get a heart that is like the one you were supposed to have from the beginning, the one that is of flesh, the one that leads you to God and the good things in life. Start filling your mind with the things of God because the things that you think about are what you care about, right? And you will start spending more time chasing those things. And then it's a cycle. The more you chase about them, the more you think about them, the more you care about them, the more you chase them. The more you think about them, the more you care about them. And it's just this cycle. So at some point, we have to step in and say, I am done with this cycle. I am done with the terrible feelings and the terrible misery that I have chosen for myself throughout my life. I'm going to let God come in, and I'm going to let him change everything. We do not follow our hearts. We inform our hearts because of the good news of Jesus and his word. So here's the thing. I want every eye looking at me. And every ear looking this way. Because if you don't hear anything else tonight, you need to hear this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will continue to follow your heart and it will continue to hurt you. And at some point, you'll end up trying to climb a ladder to get to something that's going to serve, to, to, that's going to serve you and make you feel better. And then you'll die on that ladder. You'll never make it. Because if you make it to the top of that ladder, there's the bottom of another one for you to go after that. And if you do know Jesus and you keep climbing those ladders, wake up. You have the Spirit of God living within you, and you can have this abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. Life that means something. Life that isn't just an endless cycle of trash that we care about over and over and over again in ways that we don't want to, but it hurts us, and we just do it anyway. You don't have to have that cycle. So, if you don't know Jesus, myself, Tina, Nicole, Corbin, Dallas, Jen, um, or Jenna, sorry, I'm so used to saying Dallas and Jen, Charlie, Shannon, Cassie, all these adults, if I miss anybody, I'm sorry, but if we're, we are here because, oh yeah, Ryan, we are here because we love you, we care about you, and we want you to know Jesus. We want you to know what this is like. The, the, a life that is lived knowing that our hearts are trying to sabotage us and, and instead turning that all back to Jesus is so awesome and it's so cool. And it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, it just means they actually mean something and they're not pointless anymore. They lead us to know our God closer. So, do not leave this place without talking to somebody. Miss the armpit waxing so you can have a conversation with somebody. Because it's going to get videoed. And it'll be better next week anyway with the ghost peppers. So have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. And start filling your mind with the things of God. At the end of this series, we're going to have a reading plan for you to start spending time in God's Word. To give you a tool. We'll have it all ready to go. But for now, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to go next door and I'm going to cry. <laughs> all right let's pray father we love you so much and we are grateful for all you've done for us and i just pray that as we go through this week that we understand that our hearts are trying to sabotage us and that we wouldn't listen to them but that we would second guess them that we would trust your word more than anything and i pray that if we're confused about how we're going to trust your word that you would lead us to spend more time in it to listen to you and to read your word every day to read the bible like it is actually our source of life like it can be 
I pray that you give us that strength and self-control this week. And then I pray that you give us joy and you show us moments throughout this week that, that prove to us that you are God and that you love us and that you really want abundant life for us. And I don't mean that I think everybody in this room should get a million dollars, even though I think that would be cool. I mean that everybody in this room can understand that the, th- the things they go through that are difficult mean something and are worth something. We love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.